Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. We're going to wrap up this uh, study we've been going through tonight. We're going to look at the 10th uh, mark and uh, such an important one. Uh, all of them are important, but this is, this is really, really important. So let's pray and we'll jump into this. Father, thank you so much again for this time. Uh, we thank you for the opportunity you've already given us to worship you through song. And uh, Lord, we realize that there is a great day coming. And uh, Lord, we realize that there is um, a mediator. Lord, we have our mediator, Jesus Christ, uh, standing on our behalf. And uh, Lord, one day we'll be in your presence uh, forever. And we rejoice in that, but it also brings uh, a sobering reality that there are some uh, that don't have that knowledge uh, unto salvation. And so, Lord, we pray that you would give us that burden uh, to reach them, that you would give us the passion uh, to share with them. And uh, Lord, help us to grab hold of this message tonight, this mark uh, that's so important uh, to our maturity and is evidence of maturity as well. And so, Lord, I pray just use me as a vessel, Lord, that you just prepare all of our hearts and minds to receive from you what you want. And we ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we have gone through nine marks and seven impedances. And again, as I said, we're coming to the tenth mark tonight. And uh, through this process, we've covered multiple things that, um, whether they be a mark that can also, the opposite be an impedance, or an impedance with the opposite being a mark, um, and, and some of the things that we didn't cover are contained inside those opposites, if you will. And so I just kind of put a couple of those out there uh, on the screen. And so the first one is forgiveness. Uh, we talked about this a little bit in generosity, being generous with our forgiveness. Uh, we talked about Ephesians chapter 4, where it says to forgive as you've been forgiven. Uh, we talked about grace on Sunday, and uh, I didn't feel compelled to, to put that, even, even though it's a, a mark of maturity. Uh, we talked about it on Sunday. I didn't want to necessarily cover an entire uh, Wednesday evening service on that as well. But uh, again, very important mark of maturity. Uh, another uh, opposite, if you will, was steadfastness, endurance, and faithfulness. And we'll touch a little bit on that tonight uh, because the word, uh, the, the mark that we're going to cover uh, touches on those elements as well. But uh, we, we covered that in the impedances, uh, the opposites of those. And then the last thing is knowledge and understanding. And, and what we talked about was an impedance was information without application. And so if you remember that, it's a lot of people get knowledge of Scripture. A lot of people grow in their knowledge of Scripture. They never apply it in their life. And so they don't have that understanding. They don't grow. They don't mature in their faith. And so um, knowledge coupled with understanding is a mark of maturity. So if you're growing in your knowledge and then you're applying the knowledge you have, it's being played out in your life. Uh, that's an evidence that you're growing, evidence of maturity. And so tonight, as we wrap this up, we're going to look at the 10th mark, which is patience. Patience. Something that um, I, I think we could go around the room and everybody would say, I don't like that. I, I, I don't like that word. I don't like that um, thought of, of, of it being a, a mark of maturity. Uh, but it, it is. It's an absolute mark of maturity, and we're going to see that in James chapter 1. Um, you know, I, I've preached different messages throughout the, the years, and one of them, I think I mentioned it recently, was uh, microwave Christianity. And uh, the, the whole impetus of that message was 
that's how we want our Christian faith. That's how we want our maturity. That's how we want our, our spiritual growth. That's how we want uh, to be used is, is just like the microwave works. We want to put the TV dinner in and a couple minutes later, it's ready to eat. That's kind of how we look at our Christianity sometimes. We want, we want it now. We want to be spiritually mature. We want to grow. We want to be strong. We want to not have problems. You know, all those things um, right now. And, and it doesn't happen like that. Scripture doesn't tell us it happens like that. And so in James chapter 1, I'll look. Many of you are familiar with this. We're going to look at verse 2. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this. So here's how you can count it joy, because of what you know happens. The trying of your faith works patience. It produces patience, but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing another version says it like this count it all joy my brothers my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds for you know that the testing of your faith produces patience now as i said a while ago the steadfastness faithfulness and, and endurance uh, touches on this word patience because this word patience in the greek means steadfastness it means endurance it means constancy and so it says this is what the testing of your faith produces it produces a steadfastness the testing of your faith produces an endurance. Testing of your faith uh, produces a constancy in your life. And so when you look at someone's life who is consistent, someone's life who is constant, you can rely, you, they, they are steadfast, they, they endure. Again, the Bible tells us that that is through the testing of their faith. That's what has been produced. And it says this, and, the, and, and let patience or let steadfastness, let endurance, let that, constant, let, let that have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And if we went around the room tonight and we said, how many of you as a Christian want to be in that place, lacking nothing? I think every single Christian in here would raise their hand. If, 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 if we're being honest, what is your spiritual desire? That you would have lack of nothing, spiritually speaking. That you would be full, spiritually speaking. You would have knowledge, you have understanding, you have strength. Uh, you'd have faith, you'd have power, you'd have all those things that the Spirit of God can, uh, can and does give to us. Um, and so the Bible says this is how that process works out. It's through trials, through patience. And if we allow patience, we allow the testing of our faith and patience to have its full effect in our life, then this is what we'll be. We'll be a, a mature uh, Christian. Someone said of uh, verse 3 and 4, I think I put the quote up here, let us take care in times of trial that patience and not passion, is set to work in us. Whatever is said or done, let patience have the saying and doing of it. When the work of patience is complete, it will furnish all that is necessary for our Christian race and welfare. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my Christian life where I feel like that, I felt like that I was lacking something. I'm facing a circumstance, and I, and I felt like I didn't have an answer for something. I didn't, I didn't have a direction in, in something. And, and again, if, if, if that's where, where we're at, then the testing of our faith, the bring about of patience, the patience furnishing everything necessary that we need uh, in, this, in this life. We didn't, I didn't put it in the scripture, but if you read a, a couple verses down, if you have your Bibles there in James chapter 1, it, it, it goes on to say that if, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and abradeth not. So God doesn't chastise us for our lack of wisdom in those times of trial. 
So when, when you're going through something, you're struggling with something, you say, I don't have the answers. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to pray. I, I'm, I'm kind of just stuck. I don't know what to do. The Bible says, ask God for wisdom. Ask him for wisdom. And he'll give it to you. And he won't chastise you for it. He won't, he won't uh, correct you for it. Well, you should just know, God doesn't do that. Say, yeah, but I've done that and done that and done that and feel like I'm still in the same place, so I have any more wisdom than I had before. Go back to verses 3 and 4. What do verses 3 and 4 say? Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. When you're going through the trial and you're asking for wisdom, it's not a part of the trial, maybe the fact that you don't have what you need, and God is proving you, he's testing you, he's growing you in this area of your life. And, and this is so vital because we tend to try to handle the struggles, we tend to try to handle the trials, tend to try to handle the difficulties within our own strength and even in our own emotion. That's why that quote said a while ago, let, let uh, patience, not passion, have its way. That's just the truth. I mean, if we're going to be honest tonight, it's just a lot easier. We talked about recently the flesh and the spirit, giving in the flesh, giving in the spirit. It's just a lot easier to go through the trial and, and do the things that we feel like we've got a grip on to help get through the trial. Again, whether it's an emotional capacity, an emotional feeling, a decision we make, a mental thing, a mental thought process or whatever, we sometimes feel like if I can get my hands around, if I can just get a grasp on this, then it's going to be okay. But that's not necessarily where God wants us. Matter of fact, I don't think that's where God wants us at all. We, we are absolutely to do what we're supposed to do, what's within our power to do. But there, there are, there's an element in everything that we do that we say, God, I'm completely trusting in you. I'm completely relying on you. And so we run into those circumstances, run into those trials where we don't have answers. We don't know direction. We don't have a mental process to go through. We, we, we feel really helpless and feel really without any answers at all. That's the, that's the road that God wants to take us down to grow us in our faith. And a lot of times we look at that and say, I don't want that path. <laughs> I, I don't want to go down that road. I don't want to go down that road that's going to produce patience to bring about this mature person. I want microwave Christianity. <laughs> I want to be strong. I want to be mature without that process of difficulty and trial and struggle in my life. Sometimes we also take it in an emotion and mental, a mental route in our life and through our trials and we say this, why does it have to be this? Why does it have to be this area? Why does it have to be this person? Why does it have to be this thing? In, 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 this, in, this, in this process that we go through like that, we almost make ourselves wiser than God. Because obviously if we're going through something in our life and we truly 100% believe that we are a child of God, that we're born again, that, that we are his sheep, that he is our shepherd, he is our God, he is our Lord, he is our Savior, he knows the numbers of hair on our head. If we truly believe that, then what he has allowed us to walk through is actually for our good and for his glory. Again, we look at the trials and we say, I don't want that. And, and I get it. I mean, I've been through those trials before. I don't like this. I don't want this. But if we take a step back from our subjectivity, from how we feel and what we think and, and, and how it affects our lives, and, and we look at Scripture and we stand on Scripture, then we realize that this path is the path that God has chosen for us to walk through, to go down, to make us more like Christ. I think if we all, as much as God loved us and as much as we say we love Jesus Christ, 
If God put it out there, how would you have the Savior die? I don't know about you, but in, in, in my heart and in my mind, if God gave me that option of how the Savior, if it would be a satisfactory death for my sins and for all of our sins, how would you like the Savior to die? I would say very peacefully, very quietly, very, very painlessly, just maybe in his sleep, never knowing anything, just went right off back to heaven. But it's not the path he went down. It's not the, the, it's not the, the, the path that God had before ordained, that, that before the foundation of the world was established. This is the path that he walked down. It was a path of, tr of trial, a path of betrayal, a path of struggle, a path of pain that led to, led to that brutal death. But again, we, we try to handle our struggles, we try to handle our trials and difficulties within our own strength, emotion, and thoughts. But here's the reality. They eventually consume us. Our thoughts, our emotions, our own strength are eventually overcome, overtaken, and oftentimes it brings us to places like stress, brings us to places like anxiety, even brings us to places like illness. And I'm not saying that, that these are, see, you're going through something right now and, and maybe it's an illness or, 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 or something. I'm not saying that's a result. I'm saying that there are times when we go through trials, that we go through struggles, that we try to handle on our own, and those trials, those things overcome us, and it brings us to these places of stress, anxiety, illness. And it brings us to a place of weakness, and in that place of weakness, we often make mistakes. We often have misjudgment. We often break down in many areas. So it's a process that the enemy loves. Man, if we could, if, if, if we'll just, every trial we go through and, and, and the harder they get, the closer we become to Christ-likeness, um, if we will just continue to try to handle in our own strength, then the enemy knows we're going to eventually give up. We're going to eventually break down because we don't have strength in ourselves. The strength that we have has to come from the Lord. Sometimes we go through trials and we think, well, I'm just going to push through and just be done with it. I'm just going to, you know what, I'm just going to keep pushing forward and, and just be done with it. But the key for trials and the process of maturity is not to just get done with it. That's not it. There's a, there's a key in there. Process. Process. The key to the process is yielding to the Lord in the trial and allowing him to do in us and through us what pleases him. That's the key. They say, so I've been going through this trial for months, for years. I've been, I've been dealing with this for weeks. I've been, I've been struggling with this, and I've cried out to God for wisdom. I've tried to be faithful. I've tried to do all these things. I've tried to do it in my own strength, and I've tried to do it in God's strength, and it still remains that the trial is surrounding me all, all around me. Then I would encourage you to yield to the Lord in the process. Say, so I've been doing that. Keep yielding to the Lord. Keep yielding to the Lord because there's obviously, if you're in the middle of it, if you're his child and you are seeking his face and you're yielding to him and you're still in the middle of the trial, there's obviously still something he wants to do in your life or do through your life. And that's where we start getting selfish sometimes. Like I've learned the lessons. I've grown in my faith. I've done what I'm supposed to do. I don't, I don't care if my life is used to it. I mean, that's sometimes how we get uh, mentally and emotionally. I'm just, I don't care if my life is used to touch somebody else. We get selfish like that sometimes. 
Whether we, whether we vocalize those thoughts or not, we sometimes have those feelings. I'm so done with this trial, I don't care how it benefits anybody else. But again, the key is to yield to the Lord and allow Him to do whatever pleases Him, whether it's in our life or through our life. And that's where Christ got. Again, we're looking at Christ-likeness. We're looking at maturity. Jesus Christ came to this point of, uh, of, of mental anguish, the Bible says, that he, he, he sweat, and his, his sweat was as were great drops of blood. He, 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 he says, nevertheless, not my will. He knew the wrath of God abided on him for the sins of the whole world. And he says, if this cup be possible that this cup pass from me, then let it be, nevertheless, let, not my will, but thy will be done. It was the process. We go through process, and we have to yield, just like the Savior yielded. The Apostle Paul yielded. Many others throughout history, the history of the church have yielded. But this process of maturity and growth is neither fun or enjoyable. I've talked about this before, but um, I, I remember as a kid having growing pains, and they were miserable. But I think it's more miserable when you have kids, and your kids go through growing pains, and there's not a whole lot that you can do. And what, you te- what do we tell our kids when they have growing pains? <laughs> well, you can tell them to suck it up, yeah. <laughs> but we tell them, we t- <laughs> that's, a, that's the more direct way to tell them that that's a part of growing. <laughs> it's a part of the growth process, right? That's, that's the reality. Is you're, it, the, the growth process is painful. It's not in the spiritual life fun or enjoyable either but it's essential. And the Bible says it's through trial. It's necessary. And here's the reality. It can be viewed through an abiding joy. He says, count it all joy. Don't count some of it joy. Don't count the part that you can understand joy. No, he says, count it all joy, knowing what's going to be produced. Not knowing what you're going to have to go through, not knowing how hard it's going to be. He didn't say that. He's counted on joy, counted all joy, knowing what it's going to produce. Again, it's necessary. And I, I'm telling you this, there have been trials by the grace of God that I've, I've been able to count it joy. There's nothing, I feel like there's been certain trials that I've said, there's nothing else I can do but count it joy. Because this is the only thing that, that it, it, uh, is my choice, else it would be miserable. Again, knowing that the fruit is patience and eventually Christ-likeness and maturity. Over the last couple of weeks, I've uh, watch this young man who just recently broke the high school 100-meter, uh, it was win-aided, 100-meter uh, world record. And he also, I think, set the 400-meter. His name's Matthew Bowling. Anybody heard of him? Matthew Bowling? He's fast. He's very fast. And so, like, you know, you get on YouTube sometimes and you, you pull up a video, and then the next thing you know, it's, it's got related videos coming. And so I've been watching this kid in these different races that he's been running, and then other races of comebacks, you know, because that was one of the races that he did was uh, it was a four, um, the 4 by 400 meter race, and his team was in second place, and he was far behind. And this kid flew behind and, and had a, a record uh, 400 in the 4 by 400. And, uh, man, it's, it's an amazing thing. This, this young man has done really well. Um, but to get to his level, no doubt he has natural ability. No doubt there is genetics involved there uh, that are in his favor as far as running goes. However, there's no question that he has dedicated himself and also disciplined himself 
in the process of becoming the best runner that he can be. No question. You can't, you can't compete at that level without having some discipline and training and dedication to getting out of the box, to finishing strong, to uh, having your form and all that kind of stuff. It takes the process to get to as good as he, he gets, to get as strong as he is, to be able to finish a 400-meter race. How many people have run a 400-meter before? Just raise your hand. Let me see. There's a few people in here. I will just tell you this. By the time that you get to the 200 and especially the 300, you want to die. That, now, I'm not talking about jogging a 400. I'm talking about running a 400, where you're, you're running for time, or you're running in a race, or running against everybody else. You, you start out 100 meters, and you're like, all right, I'm, I'm going. And you may be way out there. And then you get to 200, and you're like, okay, this is, this is hard. But like I said, by the time you get to 300, they say, this is what the, the phrase is, the bear jumps on your back. And it feels like all of a sudden, your legs have turned from muscle to mush. It feels like you've been running on a hard surface, and now you're running in mud. It is just miserable. But it takes absolute dedication and training to get over the mental part of that, to keep pushing through, because you want to quit at that point. Again, this young man has absolutely dedicated himself to that. It takes patience, it takes training, it takes steadfastness. For the spiritual race, the Christian, for us, it takes the same exact dedication and patience, spiritually speaking. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us this is the case. It says, wherefore we are compassed about, also are compassed about, with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which does so easily beset us. Here it is. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And look what it says in verse 3. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. The biblical formula to successfully making it through trials isn't an easy one, but it's the only one that works. If you're going through something tonight, if you're going through something in your life, and you're like, man, I'm just ready for this to be over, I'm telling you this, it's not an easy thing, but it's the only thing that's going to actually do what God wants it to do in your life and bring you to where God wants you to bring you, accomplishing what God wants to accomplish is to follow the biblical formula of patiently enduring, of trusting in God. The, the, the formula is not easy. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable. But it's the only one that actually works. So I, I believe that there are uh, these lessons, these trials, these, these struggles that we go through in life, and, and it may not be the exact same trial, right? It, it may not be, um, well, I, I went through this trial at this point in time, and I feel like I'm, I failed it miserably. God gave me some grace, some time went on, and then I went through the same exact trial a year later. Sometimes it works like that, but I believe sometimes, or many times, it, it doesn't work like that. I, I believe many times God allows us to go through the trial just like maybe first grade, and we, we don't necessarily make it well through first grade, but we go on to second grade, and we, we face some other trials that are similar that build off of that first grade lesson, and, and, and so on and so forth. Sometimes those lessons are repeated throughout the trials. But I have some encouragement in the process as well. It's not fun, not enjoyable, like I said. But here's some things to remember. When you 
begin to feel like that you want to give up. According to Hebrews chapter 12, think about what Jesus did for you. So you're going through something, you say, you know what, I just, I feel like quitting everything. Quitting trying to read my Bible, trying to pray, go to church, try to live in a way that honors God, be kind to people, love people. I just, I just feel like giving up and just doing my own thing. So I've never got that drastic before, but some have. I just feel like quitting it all. When you get to that point, think about what Jesus did for you. That's what Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3 says, Consider him that endured such contradictions of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. You start to say, I, I want to give up, I want to quit. The Bible says, think about Jesus. That's part of the biblical formula of going through trials, of maturing, becoming Christ-like, is considering Jesus Christ when you want to give up, when you begin to feel like that it's not worth it. This trial, what we're going through, what I'm going through, what we're dealing with, how hard it is, it's not worth it. I don't care how Christ-like I become. I don't care how mature God wants to make me through this. I'm tired of this trial. I'm tired of this hurt. I'm tired of this pain. I'm tired of, tired of this difficulty. I'm tired of this every single day. It's not worth it. When you, think about, when you think about the trial you're facing right now or going through or that you'll go through and you feel like it's not worth it, think about what Jesus did for you. When you begin to compare what others are doing, are not doing. And you begin to be skewed in that. You say, what are you talking about? So you're the one that's going through it. You're trying as hard as you can to be the Christian that God's called you to be. And, and you're going through this great trial and you see another person who claims to be a Christian and they aren't dealing with hardly anything. It seems like their life is so easy. They have stuff. They have money. They don't, they're not faithful to church. They don't, I mean, they're not trying to serve God. They're not trying to be a witness to the Lord. They don't do the things that you're doing. You're trying to do everything in your life to please God. And you look at that person, and they have no problems, apparently no problems. And in your mind, you start to think, why am I trying so hard? Why am I so committed? If they aren't going through hardly anything, and they're not hardly trying at all to live for the Lord, and I'm trying to do everything to live for the Lord. Why should I try so hard? Again, your thinking, your heart can become skewed. When you start to do those things, think about what Jesus did for you. When you begin to feel like that you just can't go on anymore, and that's kind of like the end. You know, you've come to this place, you're like, I just can't do it anymore. I have no more strength. I have no more energy. I have no more mental strength, no more mental. I have, I have nothing left. I'm just done. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I can't do it anymore. Think about what Jesus did for you and keep pushing forward. Even if it's one step at a time, that's how you've got to take it. One step in front of the other. Keep walking towards Christ. Keep, keep keeping the faith. Keep steady on. You may not have all the answers. You may not know the, what the end looks like of this trial, the end of your life. You may not know how God's going to use it. You may not have any answers other than I just need to keep taking a step of faith, one right in front of the other, keep being faithful to the Lord. Because just as we sang, there's a better day coming. There's a better day coming. Yes, it's over on the other side. Yes, it's, it's beyond this, the, the veil of this life. Absolutely. But I want to say this too. There is a better day coming in this life as well. 
here, through the trial, there's a better, there's a stronger, there's a more mature, there's a more Christ-like you on the other side of this trial. That's what you've got to remember. The Bible promised it. Jesus said, this is what it's going to produce if you let patience have her complete work in your life. And again, as I said in the beginning, if I said, how many of us want to be that strong and complete, lacking nothing? Then we've got to know it's on the other side. See, a soldier, a runner, must be put through tests, must, must be put through trials, must be trained before they're proven to be useful. That's why we have in our armed forces things called boot camp and training. They have to be made into a useful soldier, a useful marine, a useful sailor. All, all those things, they have to be trained, put through the test, put through the trials. If not, what would happen if they didn't go through that process? At the first sign of struggle, they would quit. See, this is the, 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 the problem we face in our spiritual lives. If, if the soldiers wouldn't quit at the first sign of struggle, maybe they would quit at the first sign of failure. And in, in our spiritual lives, this is exactly what the enemy loves. This is exactly what Satan loves. He would love for all of us to, to go that route. For us to give up in the process of maturing through trials. Satan would love that. Why? So that we never become more mature and more useful for the kingdom of God. Satan would be like, yeah, man, just keep, keep, keep that trial on them because they're still trying to do it in their own strength. Keep, they, and they, they, all they want to do is, is, is stay defeated. They, they, they're depressed. They're discouraged. They're, they're doing all these things in their own strength. He would love nothing better than for Christians to try to make it through all the trials that are to prove us and make us more like Christ for us to, to try to push through in our own emotion, to try to push, push through in our own strength. He would love nothing more for us to try to figure it out with our own knowledge, to plan it all out with our own wisdom. Because he knows when we do that, we, go, we uh, grow faint and we give up. That's what the enemy knows. He's been doing this for thousands of years and he's seen human beings. And I think that if we're honest in this room tonight, that many of us have gone through those circumstances where we were that person. We were the one going through the trial that we're trying to do it in our own knowledge, plan out how it was going to work out, how, how the trial should end, and, and try to work it out in our own strength, and it did nothing but make us more worn and weary and tired and faint of heart and weak in our faith. And he says, yeah, keep, keep handling that like that. You got marriage problems? Keep trying to do it yourself. Hey, you got problems with your health? Keep, keep trying it like that. You, you probably have the answer at the end of it. Again, the enemy would love that. The enemy would love for us to handle trials like that. That way the kingdom of God would be full of immature, carnal babies who are unfit for the battle. I, I would love to be a general facing a, an army that was a, a bunch of weak babies that, that were unfit for battle. I mean, if you were going to go to war against somebody, that would be the best army to go against. And sometimes in our weakness, and listen, you know, we just got back from mission trips, and we've talked about this before, but here in America, we have so many comforts that we rely on. We have so many things that we, we trust in. That sometimes the trials that we go through, 
we, we have such an easy life that we just want the trials to be quickly over with because we're used to being pampered like that. We're used to having comfort like that. The enemy's like, yeah, your life is hard. And I'm not trying to minimize anybody's trials that are, that are going through, so I'm not. But that, that's how the enemy would love for us to say, you know, I just can't do it. I can't. No, the Bible says count it joy. Look, and it's not fun. It's not easy. It's not enjoyable. It's, it, it's, it's hard. It's a struggle. It's real. Your emotions, your feeling, the, the heartache, the, the, the mental anguish, all those things are real. I'm not minimizing any of those things. But the enemy would love for us to give into those things versus yield to the Lord and count it joy that God is allowing us to go through this to bring us to a more mature person. You want the trial to be over? Learn to look to Christ alone. Not to an answer, not to an end. Look to Christ alone. I want the trial to be over. Well, the trial may not end, but you may find that joy that you can count in the midst of the trial if you look to Christ alone. As I said a while ago, do what you can do with each step and lean on the Lord 100%. Be patient by trusting him completely. Allow him to do whatever he wants in you and through you. And I believe that this, this is imperative to be where Paul got in requesting his thorn in the flesh to be removed three times. And when he said, the, the, the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for thee. See, we miss that sometimes. We, Paul's, Paul's, uh, was he lacking something? Well, I mean, he wasn't perfect. He wasn't absolutely mature. Obviously, God was still proving him in his life, but with his thorn in the flesh, he said, hey, can you remove it? Three times he asked God. God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. At, at, at another point in time, he says this, for me to die is, is, is gain. But for you, it's more profitable for me to stay, he said. Paul saw even in the midst of his struggle, midst of his pain, the midst of his, his persecution, the midst of his tribulation, the midst of his, 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 his betrayal, he faced all that stuff as well. Paul even saw, maybe it's for others' benefit that I'm going through what I'm going through. My desire is to be with Christ, which is far better, he said. <laughs> to die is gain. I want to be done with all these trials. I want to be done with all these uh, the shipwrecks and the, and the stonings and the heartaches and people leaving me for this present world. I want to be done with all that. To be with Christ is far better. But God obviously has me here going through all this for another reason beyond myself. And sometimes that's what we forget and sometimes don't want in our trials. Maybe it's the lesson we haven't learned because the trial is still going. I don't know. I'm not God. Maybe God's wanting to do something through us. Maybe we haven't learned that lesson of yielding to the Lord so that God can use us in the midst of the trial. So that others can see Jesus in us. So that somebody can say, man, that person has real faith and I want that. Look at what they're going through and look at what they're doing. So I think oftentimes, even in trials, what we end up doing is putting on a show instead of putting on sincerity. And that's a sign of immaturity. I say, you know what? I can count it joy. It's not a show. I'm, I'm not pretending. I'm not, I'm not acting. I'm being sincere.
Patience is a mark of maturity that's produced through trials, regardless. That's what we, we just saw. It's a mark of maturity that's produced through trials. But the other thing, it's also a mark of maturity that's expressed to others. So if, if we're going to be mature, it's going to be through patience. Patience is therefore a mark of maturity. When we, when we are, are expressing or living that out through trials, uh, we've been marked with that. But it's also coupled with showing others patience. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, and be patient toward all men. That, is, that can be hard, right? I've admitted my weaknesses from this pulpit. It's hard to have patience with blinkerless cars. It just is for me. It's hard to have patience with unyielding vehicles. It is. I, I, I've prayed, and, and I have, for the most part, the way that God's made me is, is you know, pretty laid back and, and don't get riled up about a whole lot of things. But, man, Rochelle has looked at me before when we were driving. She was like, and I'm not, like, screaming. I'm not getting crazy. I'm not doing any of that kind of stuff. Like, where's your blinker? <laughs> Patient towards all men. I mean, he's still working on me. But the charge is to be patient. Patient here um, is a different Greek word than what patient was in those other verses in James chapter 1 and in Hebrews chapter 12. This word patient uh, in the Greek means patient. That's what it means. It's, I know, it's mind-boggling. No, it, it means to be long-spirited, not short-spirited, right? Not, not, it means to be long-suffering, not, not short-suffering. To be forbearing, long-suffering, to endure with others. Uh, this example of patience serves as evidence of maturity. So when, when you are patient towards others, it's a mark of maturity. So we all know that the trials we face can be associated uh, not only with circumstances, like, like our work, like you're having a, a problem at your job, our, our, the trials that we go through can be associated with our health. Trials we're going through can be associated with our home, our kids, our relationship, our physical uh, house or whatever, our car. We can have trials, uh, patients that's uh, being built through trials uh, associated with internal problems, like our, our, um, our feelings, our, our, our mental uh, struggles. But it also can, it can have to do with people. And here's the tough part. It can have to do with people in the church as well as out of the church. But the charge remains is to be patient with all men. Again, this patience is very clearly a mark of maturity in the believer. So if you're quick to irritability... We've already addressed that a little bit with, with anger. That's a sign of impatience, and that's a sign of immaturity. If you're hasty to respond with your attitude, with your actions, with your speech, it's a sign of impatience and a sign of immaturity. If somebody lashes at you and you're quick to lash at them, it's a sign of immaturity. If somebody's spiteful to you and you turn around or spy for them, it's a sign of immaturity. The Bible says to be patient with all, 
Oh, man, the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write to the Ephesian believers, and I'm almost done, verse, uh, chapter 4 of Ephesians. Verse 1, it says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. In other words, walk in a worthy manner of the calling that you've been called with. With all lowliness and meekness, and that means humility and gentleness, with long-suffering, there you go, for bearing one another in love. In other words, be patient and long-spirited with each other with love in your heart. He's talking to the church. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And then he goes on to say there's one, one Lord and one God and, and, and one Spirit and we've been called into one hope and one faith. It's all, it's all about that unity. But look again, he says, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We should be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. How are we able to do this? Being patient with each other. Long-suffering. Forbearing. It's vital. If we're impatient in the church, we will not have the unity that God intends for us to have. Why is this so vital? Because the whole study on Wednesday nights, you go down to those, those verses in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11, 12, 13, 14. What does he say? For the perfecting. Till we all grow up into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It's the whole point of maturity. And patience is at the center of it. Patience through trials and patience with each other. I believe the Lord knew and he knows that we would struggle with this, with being patient with each other. That's why he gave us a very clear charge. Be patient with each other. Be patient with all men. So the question to challenge yourself tonight, the next time that your patience with another brother or sister is tested, the next time your patience with another person is wearing thin, is this. How patient is God with me? How patient is God with me? And so I just can't, I just, my patience with them is gone. Think about how patient God has been with you. you know, oh man, I don't like that. <laughs> Second question, you're struggling with patience. How many times have I deserved to be given up on? That's the truth. That's the struggle right there. How many times have I deserved God? If it wasn't for his mercy, his love, and his grace, and his promises in his word, if, if he wasn't who he was and, and didn't, you know, the, by the virtue of being God, he would have given up on me long ago. I've deserved it so many times. And then lastly, how long-suffering has God been with me? Similar to being patient. Sometimes we attribute that word long-suffering a little bit differently. Long-spirited. Don't be, don't be short-tempered. Don't be uh, short-fused. Don't, don't, don't react. Don't respond. Don't be hasty in those things. Be patient with all men. I'm not going to read Romans chapter 5, but you can uh, when you get time. It's similar to what James chapter 1 is. It says that uh, tribulation works patience. The trials bring about patience. And again, you go down to uh, salvation. Uh, Romans chapter 5 verse 8. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. You see God showing his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So as we become more Christ-like, which is only going to be through trials, we gain patience. We gain endurance. We gain steadfastness, faithfulness, 
constancy, long-suffering, all those things are marks in our lives as we go through trials. We become that in everything. It's revealed in the consistency of a person. It's revealed in the consistency of a person's attitude, their actions, and their speech. Are they a patient person? Are they constant? Are they, are they steadfast? Are they committed? Are they faithful? It's what's necessary even for leadership. And again, we've talked about this before. When we look at leadership in the church, one of the very first things is this person faithful. Are they not just faithful to attend ministry, uh, like worship services, uh, uh, discipleship, uh, prayer, uh, outreach, you know, is this part, not just that, but constancy and conduct and in character. It's a mark of maturity. So again, how patient are you? Is this mark of patience on your life? With others, with the process of life, how patient are you? If patience has an open door in your life, you're going to become more mature. If you close yourself off to the process through, through, through trial or, or um, any other thing, then you're going to remain immature and therefore ineffective. And so tonight, is patience a mark in your life? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this reminder and this challenge. I would realize that uh, this study has uh, been encouraging, it's been convicting, it's been uh, challenging. Uh, Lord, it's been so important for all of us together to re be reminded of what some of those marks of maturity are. Lord, as we strive to be more like you, it's your will that we would be conformed to the image of your Son. Lord, you, you have before ordained that we should grow to be like you. Lord, that this body would be so unified and so growing that it brings glory to the head, which is Christ. So, Lord, I pray that all of us here tonight would yield ourselves to you, that we would desire to have these marks that we've gone through, and this final mark of patience would be very evident in our life. Lord, I do know that there's a lot of people going through a lot of trials. Some people are going through multiple trials. And I pray that you'd give them grace, you'd give them mercy, give them strength, give them faith to endure. Lord, that they would cry out to you for wisdom, that they would lean on you and yield to you in the midst of the trial so that you could produce in them and through them what pleases you. I pray that for myself. I pray that for every person here. Or just move tonight in this invitation, our response to your word. And we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name.